pray for us and we'll get started. Uh, Lord, give us uh, grace and patience this hour. In Christ's name. Amen. Alright, um, I, I realize it's hot in here. I'm trying to keep that door locked so that we only open one door. I realize that's problematic when we're leaving but and coming in, but this air conditioner is, I mean, let's just be fair to it. It's doing the best that it can, but it's best it's not nearly good enough. So, uh, we are going through ways in which our phones are changing us, and today we're going to look at maybe four ways, four more ways in which our phones change, are changing us, and then tomorrow we're going to like try to be like, okay, that's good. We understand our phones are, are changing us, but now what do we do about it? So this is, but I, there are a couple of points I got to hammer home today, um, and then uh, we'll go from there. Okay, so um, if you'll remember, the first two points were is that we're addicted to distraction, and then also that we. Uh, that we ignore our flesh and blood, that we ignore the people right around us uh, for people who are not around us. Uh, third thing is that we crave immediate approval. And just like every other thing that we've been talking about, guys, that is true here too, is that this is something we've always been doing. We've always been craving immediate approval. This is fun to not change that, uh, to change that desire in our hearts in any way. Uh, funds uh, enable, enhance, and exacerbate this problem, but they didn't create the problem. And the thing is, is that you are made for approval. You are made for it. You are made for God to look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You are made for that. So it's not a wrong desire to want to be approved of. It's what you are made for. But how you go about getting that approval and where you get that approval from is where the brokenness of sin enters the picture and becomes a problem. And most, for most of us, the first place that we look for approval is not from God. The first place that we look for approval is from other people. And that is problematic. And this is where the phone has really changed the game. Okay? And look, I hope that you're not hearing me say that your generation is terrible or anything. I hope you're not hearing me say that because I really don't believe it. But I honestly do feel bad for your generation. And like, here's, here's an example of how you have it so much harder than I have. Okay? Is that when I was in high school, when your parents were in high school, when your grandparents were in high school, there were always hierarchies, right? There were always, like, some people are cooler than other people. You've got, like, people who are prettier or more handsome or more athletic or funnier or smarter or, you know, musically talented. You've got the band kids. You've got the nerds and the mathletes. And you've got the, you know, the jocks or whatever, you know, terms you want to use. Those have always existed. Those existed in 1919, and they existed in 2019, and they'll exist in 3019, okay? Like, that's, that's just how it works, okay? But the difference is for you guys is that you guys have, like, numbers associated with exactly how cool you are. And that is really depressing, right? For my group, one of the things that is the most, that causes the most consternation is the ACT or the SAT, depending on what they're taking. They hate it, right? Because what it does is it takes a number and it's time where you're no longer like God's new snowflake. Instead, you're like 26, you know, or 29, or 31, or 19, or whatever it is, right? And you stick it on there, and they hate it. We had a kid in our youth group. While we were in Colorado, ACT sports came out. This kid just finished ninth grade. He's awesome. I love him. He rolled out of bed after ninth grade and scored a 28 with no prep, okay? Now, that caused so much grief because when he found out, first of all, his dad texted him, like, you got some work to do. And he was like, what did I make? He was like a 28. And uh, he was like, sweet, I'm, I'm sad. He'll probably make, like, really high. He's a genius. But, um, like, uh, 
kids who were juniors or seniors and couldn't get to a 28, they were just like, that in fact killed them on the inside, right? Like, they were supposed to be happy for him, but on the inside it killed them because it stinks to have this number or such, like, that is what you're reduced to, right? It's not fun. And you guys have that all the time. Because, like, when some girl's birthday comes up and you do that happy birthday post to her, you can see exactly how many more likes another girl's post got than your post. We are both wishing that girl a happy birthday. So there's, like, a number of signs to exactly how cool you are. That, if I may say it, sucks. Okay? That is not fun. All right? And I, my heart goes out to you. Right? I don't know what you do about it. Right? You're all in on it and, like, and that's just the way the game is played. I knew that I wasn't cool, but I didn't have a number associated with it. Like, so I could allow myself to believe that number was a little higher than it was, where you guys don't get that luxury, all right? So we are craving immediate approval. And I want to tell you, I want to give you the living example of how that doesn't work and also how you can be free from it. You might not know who this is, but this is a Sheena O'Neill, okay? And she's from Australia. And back in, like, 2011, 12, 13, I can't remember exactly when, but a couple of years ago, she had one million Instagram followers, one million followers to her YouTube channel, and she had more than a million followers on her Twitter, okay? So she had, she was killing it on social media, like, and not only that, that was her job at 19 years old. She was paid to Instagram. Not only did she receive money for Instagramming, but also companies were sending her swimsuits, dresses, uh, athletic wear, facial products, uh, like health products, like all kinds of things. And they were giving it to her free, and they were also paying her to use it on her channels, right? To be like, hey, guys, I just discovered this new, like, bioclid shake or whatever. And, like, she, like, drinks it or whatever, and then millions of people see that. So she was absolutely killing it. Look, you know, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because group protection is always troubling. But just think in your mind, how sweet would it be to do that at 19? Like, how awesome would it be that your job was, I'm just pretty on Instagram. Like, that's what I do. Like, like really cool, huh? Do you know that she deleted her account? She She didn't totally delete her Instagram. She left some pictures up, and others, she changed the pictures out or changed the caption, all right? But she just she just went. One day, her all, everything went dark, and then she put a video up explaining why that was, okay? Would you like to see what she really looks like, by the way? Um, because remember I told you that online you have an avatar, and uh, it's not really you? This is the same person. Now, some of the women in here are like, uh... Have you ever heard of makeup? Like, that's not that big of a deal, sir. Like, and guess what? I have a wife, so I understand how that works. So I'm not mystified by that. She's not trying here. She's trying here. I get it. So, you know what I mean? But, like, here's the thing is that she woke up. And listen to what she has to say about why she got rid of her account. Okay? She says this. Being born into this screen-dominated age, we were taught to mold ourselves in order to gain the most social validation, likes, views, followers. I was a living, listen to this sentence, I was a living paradox of conditional self-love and constant self-hate because my self-worth relied on social approval. What did she say? She had what a lot of girls in here would die to have, okay? She had it, and she basically threw it away because she realized this. She woke up. She is awake right now. She woke up and she realized that 
Her whole life was based on making other people like her, and she hated herself. All right? That is a recipe for some really bad problems. Okay? But look, I'm not going to put this photo up for obvious reasons, but she kept one photo of her in a swimsuit up on her Instagram, but she changed the caption to this. Not real life. I took over a hundred in similar poses trying to make my stomach look flat. I would have hardly eaten that day. I would have yelled at my little sister to keep taking them until I was somewhat proud of this. Does that sound like someone who is happy to get It shouldn't. Okay? Now listen. What a senior O'Neill discovers, and what we all, what I hope that all of us will discover to one degree or another is this, is that when we look for other people's approval, it is like pouring Red Bull in our gas tank. Okay? Red Bull can make you energized, but if you put it in your gas tank, the engine will lock up, and it's over. All right? We are looking for something. We're looking for something that can only be found in God from other people. And other people can't give it to us. And the Bible has been telling us this for thousands of years. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts the Lord is safe. Put not your trust in princes, in the Son of Man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. This is my favorite, one of my favorite quotes from Jesus. I love this. This is like a truth bomb that Jesus just slaps someone across the face with. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Oh, does everyone like you? Jesus says you're in the worst position you can possibly be in. Whoops. I thought I was, I'm a southerner. I'm supposed to be nice. Everyone's supposed to like me. I was the only child, okay? Here's going to tell you a little bit about only children. Only children are always shocked when someone doesn't like them, right? They're like, you don't like me? I'm awesome. I'm awesome. Like, they don't have a brother or sister to remind them that they're crap of the same. But anyway, the Bible's been telling us this for years. We crave immediate approval. We try to get it from other people. And our phones and our use of social media only encourage us to do this, right? It only encourages us to try even harder to get approval. Now, I, you know, I see you out there. Look, I, I guarantee you, because we're going to have good weather today, I guarantee you it goes now tonight, okay? Like before dinner, some of you, uh, it's not going to be like, you're not going to stay at the beach and do that too, all right? You're going to come back up, and you're going to get gussied up, as my mom would say. It's just more than 40. Um, <laughs> You're going to get gutted, and you're going to come back down, and you're going to take that pit. And you're going to, you know, the lighting's going to be just right. And you're going to be in, like, the pose that makes you look the most, I don't know, what's good, like, a little thing like this or whatever. Um, you're going to do all that, right? Because, why? Because, and why are you doing all that? Are you doing all that because it makes you feel good? It does not make you feel good, right? You're doing all that so that people will be like, and they will double tap that picture. Because that's what makes you feel good. If you want that double tap, if you want people to like, you know, as many people as possible like Right? And you think that that's going to satisfy you. So let me speak to you because you know, you know, not here to say it. That it will not satisfy you. You will walk away totally empty and bankrupt. Don't take it from me. When I was on social media, I had like 200 followers. <laughs> take it from someone who had a million. It doesn't work. The other thing about crazy media approval is this. Is that, and this is crazy too, is that we create communities online that are not communities. That we say that they're communities, but they're not communities. They're, they're fake communities and they're not real. And here's why they're not real. is because everyone in them is just like us. There's no diversity whatsoever, right? Let me show you what I mean. Like, if I were to go to your the group, like your Snapchat group that you're in, like, and I were to like, you need to just pick one in your mind that I can go to. Some of you are like, oh, I don't want you to... See what we say in there, or you know, whatever. Like, I know. Hey, guess what, girls? I'm gonna break something to you real quick, and I'm so glad this is on the recording. Hey, are you going into tenth grade? Are you gonna change your group to soft 
whores or salt hoes. Guess what? Everyone does that. It's not funny. So anyway, it's not clever or witty. Everyone does that. Like literally, you're the most basic of basic when you do that. Okay? So um, like everyone does it. How do you know? How do you know? It's almost like a youth minister and he has a ton of softball girls in his class. But anyway, if I went to your group, guys, let's go ahead and talk. Um, um, like, like, oh, when we're juniors, we'll call it the shake room. Oh, my God. Um, but, uh, so, we can have a little fun with that. No one likes to pun more than me, okay? So I appreciate it, but come on. Um, when I go to those groups, okay, every one of those groups is going to look like you. They're going to think like you. They're going to be, like, from the same place that you're from. Like, it's going to be just, like, little, just slight variations of you in those groups, right? Like, they're gonna be, there's going to be very little racial diversity or thought diversity or ethnicity diversity or religious diversity, there's going to be, there's going to be all the diversity. It's going to be all people who share, like, all these different things. So it's not a real community, not in the real sense of it, right? Because I want you to think about this for a second. How many elderly people do you have in your Snapchat groups? How many, like, toddlers? How many, um, how many people with Down syndrome are in your Snapchat groups? Um... How many people who aren't from the Western Hemisphere are your Snapchat groups? How many people who are, look, this is a quote from Alistair Roberts. He says this, the elderly, the impoverished, the cognitively disabled, young children, less educated, less literate, less cosmopolitan, the non-Westerner, in effect, all my communities render invisible a majority of the human race. A majority of the human race we don't interact. They're not part of that group. So you think, like, this is my community, and it's a fake community. It's a gated community that you built so that everyone, it's a fraternity, it's a sorority, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's that thing that you built, and everyone looks and thinks just like you. This is the problem with political discourse, right? None of you, if you're conservative, the only people that you listen to are conservative people. And if you're liberal, the only people you listen to are liberal people. And the reason that you do that is not because you're actually a free-thinking individual. The reason that you do that is because you're scared that someone that you don't like who disagrees with you will have a good point. Right? And so that's why, I mean, so you don't do it. So we create echo chambers where everyone is just like us. And that's a problem whether we're Christians or not, but it's especially problematic for Christians because of what the last thing that Jesus said. Look, we're not even getting deep into what Jesus taught. We're just hitting the highlights. What's the greatest commandment? What's the second greatest commandment? Last thing that Jesus says before he leaves might be important, right? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have been to you, and behold, I'm with you always, even the end of the age. What is he saying here? He's saying that the church, like your local community, right, that it's a free and open community, that anyone can come in, right, that the only requirement is faith in Christ, right, that you don't have to look like me or talk like me or act like me. And look, what was the problem in the early church in the New Testament? What was the problem? The problem was that people didn't look, think, or act like it, so they had all these problems. It creates problems, but that's what community is. If everyone looks and thinks or acts the same, then no one is thinking or looking or acting. Okay? So all my community, because we crave immediate approval, we seek after anything that will make people like us. And we also create echo chambers where we only hear what we already know. 
We lose our literacy. I'm going to tell you the good news and the bad news about your generation. Your generation is reading more words than anyone has ever read in the history of generation. You guys are seeing more and reading more words. That's the good news, right? It's great. Reading is fundamental. It's awesome. You underline the fun. Reading is fundamental. But, like, also, your generation is retaining less of that content, a smaller percentage of that content, right? That's happening. And the reason that it's happening is just the way that our phones train us to read, right? Because phones train us to skim for the highlights, to read the first paragraph and the last paragraph, or not even the last paragraph, read the first paragraph. Look, this has been going on for years, way before This happened to me. We would get what were called textbooks. I know some of you go to schools where you just get an iPad on your textbooks from digital, and that's awesome. But me, little 125 or 140-pound curve, um, was walking around Tupelo High's campus, which is a huge campus with, like, every textbook I have strapped to my back. That's why it's totally open now. It's because I've been walking around like this. My locker was in one corner and all my classes were in the other corner. I don't know who designed that. But, like, so we have these textbooks. It's going to be like a physical science textbook or biology textbook. It's going to be like, read chapters one and two, and we're going to take a test on it on Friday. But you didn't have to read the chapters, okay? We didn't have phones, but we're still doing this. You didn't have to read the chapters. All you do is open up the book, and there would be like some kind of cool picture with a little italic. It would be like the poison dart frog or whatever. It makes science look cool when it really wasn't. And then like, it makes you feel like it's important. I don't know what, how they make textbooks now, but you didn't have to read. There would be all these words you would say, and you could skim all of them. Because there would be certain words that were in bold, right? And those words, if you just knew those words, then you could pass the test. You would be reading along and be like, hmm, why did you do it? How about yourself? I still know it now. Like, thank you, Night Gray. But, like, uh, like photosynthesis, being bold, or chlorophyll, being bold. And you knew, if you just knew those terms, you would make a good day on the test. You were just skimming for highlights. Did you know that something like 95 to 99% of the people who read an article online only read, never make it past the second paragraph? Right? Because the Internet, and not just the Internet, but phones are encouraging us, and we've been encouraging people to just skim highlights. Now, what I love about the internet is that all these journalists and writers thought that it was going to save them. But they thought the TV had killed them. And then the internet came along. And they were like, yes, words are back. And then we found out how to put video on the internet. And YouTube was created. And now all of a sudden, words are all the journalists have to learn to code. And I don't know exactly what that means. I know it's offensive to either the right or the left. And I'm not sure which one. And I don't care, actually. Like, whichever one is offended, I'm happy to offend you. Like, um, but like, Here's the thing, is that in an age that's dominated by video, where YouTube is the number two search engine in the world, where, where, we, where we only like skim for the highlights, as Christians, why is that problematic? problematic? God, guess what? Our whole life is based on a book. A book. It's a thick one, too. And some of it is like really boring. That person has never read numbers, so congratulations. But actually, I heard Lincoln Duncan preach on like numbers one time, and my wife cried at that sermon. But that should be amazing. Um, like, look, we are people of a book, and the worst thing that we could do, the worst thing that we could do, is to open up a Bible and just skim for the boldface terms and the highlights. First of all, the Bible is boldface terms in the Bible. But secondly, like, <laughs> if we were just to skim, we would do eisegesis. 
And it's a big word, which means you take you take one text or one line of scripture and you just use it capriciously. Just you just throw it out there. You just lob it at people. Like let me give you a completely fantastical scenario that could never happen in real life. Well, let's just say that there's a politician that your parents really like, a guy or a girl, and you don't like them, and you're like, hey, this guy, this girl, they did something bad. This girl, she said this, or this guy, he did this, and your parents might lob back and be like, well, that's not let's do you judge. I know, again, you can never imagine this happening, but bear with me. Work with me here. What is that? That's eisegesis, right? It's taking one part of Scripture, ripping it of all context, and being like, hey, I just want to use this here, and I want to use this here, right? It's not really understanding the Scripture and the context and the content of Scripture. It's just like using Scripture as some kind of blunt instrument that hit people over the head with it, right? So eisegesis, that's not how you use the Bible, okay? That is... In case I'm not being clear here, that's bad. Instead, we want to soak ourselves in Scripture. We want to understand. When we don't understand what Scripture is saying, we're going to let Scripture speak for itself. It's called Scripture interprets Scripture. It's a principle that's been going on for thousands of years even. But look look what God says. Don't take my word for it. If you were asking a Hebrew, a Jew, an Orthodox Jew, you would say, hey, what's the most important verse in the Old Testament? They would say two things. The first thing they would say is, there is no such thing as an Old Testament. But the second thing they can say, um, the Jews don't believe in the Old Testament. You'll get it. But the second thing is, is they would say, Deuteronomy 6. It's called the Shema. And it's going to sound familiar, but I'm going to read it to you now. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words, this is where I want to focus. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on your doorpost of your house and on your gate. Look, if you get anything from this passage, okay, the one thing you should get is we should be taking God's word super seriously. We should be, if we claim to want to follow God and to love him with all the heart, all the soul, all the mind, and all the strength, you know what we need to do? We're going to have to really dive deep. We can't just skim the Bible to the highlight. We can't be license agreement Christians. You know when your phone's license agreement renews? And like, I don't know if it's still been years since I've had to do it, but it used to be that like it would be your phone's license agreement would renew, and it would be like page 1 of 53. If you could click agree, like at the bottom of the first page, and not read the whole thing. And unfortunately, what our phones are doing is creating license agreement Christians. We're like, I skim the Bible and I barely know about it. And something about Jesus and I don't have to be busy anymore. Agree and move on. That is not understanding the scripture. Let's not be Christians like that, even though our phones were encouraged us to do that. Okay, moving on. Uh, this is from the New Testament. All scripture is read out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training, and righteousness. The man that the man of God would be complete and equipped for every good work. The New Testament and the Old Testament agree. We should be soaked in God's word, not skimming it for the highlights. We consume instead of create. This is three or four today. We consume instead of create. Now look, when I was in college, is that for my sophomore year? I wanted to go do something fun, okay? I wanted to spend my summer doing something fun. But I did not grow up wealthy by any stretch of the imagination. And my parents were like, look, we're killing ourselves so you can be in college. You have to come home and work so you can make money. And I was like, I don't want you to want to go be a care counselor or I want to go do this or that. And by the way, you should want to go do this thing. Definitely do it. Use those summers because summer goes away. If but, um... But they were like, you can't do it. You've got to come home and work at the bank. And so I knew I was going home and work at the bank. And I was also going through a bit of an existential crisis because I was like, I had gotten dumped by my girlfriend who I thought I was going to marry. And um, I was like, Kurt, 
you really have like nothing going for you as far as like getting a wife. Like you are. I was I, I was I was I was talking. To, I don't talk to myself out loud, but I was thinking about these things. Of like you're not attractive. You don't have. You're not athletic. You you're not really smart, and you don't make it great. So you're you're not going to be like a doctor or be rich. Like you're going to end up alone. Like and you need to like acquire some skills. Okay, you need to go and do something. And so I was like, look, I'm stuck at home. Like my future soulmate is out there, like Campus Crusade, summer project or something like that. And I'm stuck here working in a bank. And um, and I was like, you know what? I was like, chicks big. Sorry to use the word chicks in the but like that's what I, that's definitely how I thought. I was like. Girls love it. Yeah, I like guitar. So I'm gonna buy a guitar. So I bought one, a hundred fifty dollar guitar. And it, so I worked at the bank all day. Some of you are nodding, like yes, you, you do. I, I know that you do. So just wait for the end of the story. So I bought a hundred fifty dollar guitar, which I still have. Garbage. But um, uh, I would just hammer them all night. I would be hammering chords. I'm I, all summer. I just like I, I was just grinding on the guitar, just like trying to get it, like, just be good. Just be good enough to play some songs. Be good enough to play Wonderwall, you know what I mean? And like, <laughs> and I annoyed, I annoyed my roommates when I got the closet that year. So I'd be like, hey, I think I'm going to play Wonderwall. And I'm like, three chords in and mess up. And I'm like, wait a second. And like, they were so tired of hearing me back in my room, just like, constantly strumming, doing the same things over and over again. But guess what happens? Is that like, if you practice something, you get good at it. And like, I've really practiced like, and it was a lot of time by myself, just like trying to learn how to do. It. I didn't have YouTube. Okay, I want you to think about this for a second. I learned to play guitar without YouTube, and um, so or ultimate guitar, any of that stuff. None of that stuff existed, and I was out there grinding. Okay, and like, so I did all that. My senior year, I'm leaving work to start it up. Okay, and we get done, and this girl comes up to me and like, I feel like I just want to like. Um, we were doing like old hymns, like in the old great stuff. She's like, Do you have like a rich CD of this? And I'm like, I can make you a CD of this. And I'm marrying her, okay? And like, she's here. Um, and so, gentlemen, did you hear me? It works, okay? Did <laughs> <laughs> you, you get this not so subtle message that I'm telling you? Is that, like, look, it, it's not about you, girl, okay? It's not about that. Although, that was nice. <laughs> um, but, you know what's fun now? I still play guitar. And you know what's fun about playing guitar? Like, I'll just hear a song, like any song, really. I'd be like, I'm going to go learn to play that. And I can learn to play it. And it doesn't take long either. Like, because I've been playing for so long, I just feel like, okay, like, let's just learn to play that. And it's fun. Like, it's really fun to learn how to do something and, like, to be creative. And here is what I'm trying to tell you, okay? Is that you were made to be creative. And on your phone, all you do pretty much is consume. And you're not made to consume. God is consuming fire. You're made to create. And it, look, don't take my word for it. The very first thing that we see God do is create. And I want to talk about what that looks like. And some of you are like, well, I can't sing. Well, I can't sing either. Okay? So just hold on. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless. This word is important. Formless and empty. Both those words. Let's pay attention to those. And darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And what God does in Genesis 1 is He takes the formless, the chaotic, and He orders it. He puts it in order. Think about putting a puzzle piece together and taking all the edge pieces and putting them 
them around, right? And then he works away from there, right? So, and then he takes the empty. That's what he does the first three days. It's the light and the dark, it's the land, the sea, the sky, and then he separates, right? Then the next three days, what does he do? He fills the empty, right? So he puts moon and sun and stars in the sky, puts the plants and the animals on the land and the sea, right? So he, he takes the formlessness or the chaos and he orders it and he takes the emptiness and he fills it. And then, in Genesis, it says this, so God created mankind in his own image and the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, and pay attention to what God said. God said, be fruitful. In, I, this is the NIV version. I'm sorry. I accidentally copied that. I hate the NIV. Said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God says, you're made in my image. God says, you're made in my image. Now do the thing that I do. Take the chaos and order it. Take the emptiness and fill it. You're my image bearer. Do it. When you are created, when you take time to create, and it can look a million different ways. It can be sculpting or painting or drawing or writing or acting or whatever it is. Whatever it is that you want to do. It can be Microsoft Excel. Okay? Now, listen, some of you are in here are like, that is not real art. I would argue differently, okay? Because what does Microsoft Excel do? First of all, I love that program. And secondly, what does it do? It takes chaos and it orders it, okay? It doesn't have to look like artistic. But when you take time to create your task, it's not about getting a girl or anything like that or getting a guy. Like, that's not important. It is important, but not for this discussion. Like, the real thing is, is that you are tapping into who you were made to be when you're creating. You're tapping into who you were made to be. Get off your phone and create things. I was talking to a girl after the first hour. She just came up to me and she goes, you know, I teach art. And one of the things that happens is, is that we'll tell people, all right, we're going to paint something. And what they do is they go to Etsy and they look up something and they copy it. That's not creation. That's copying, okay? And it's okay to start there. But creation is you figuring something out, expressing who you are, all right? And when you do that, right, you are tapping into something that is so old. This is the oldest of old things. It existed before many other things. It existed before marriage, even. Is this is that you were made to create. You were made to create. So create more than you can see. Okay. We've got to move on. This is the most important thing I'm going to say. We have to be done at 11, right? Um, this is not the most important thing I'm going to say, but this is the last one, the last thing, the way in which our phones change this. This is not an exhaustive list. There are more ways our friends have changed. The last one that we're going to cover is that we get loneliness. Now, I want to make an argument to you. It's a simple argument. Technology does not bring us together. It drives us apart. Okay? Technology does not bring us together. It drives us apart. I don't care how many Apple commercials you've seen where the girl is like has the AirPods in and she puts one in the other guy's ear and then they start dancing in the street. I've never seen that happen in real life, so I assume that it doesn't happen. I assume that's just clever marketing. But technology does not bring us together. Technology takes communal experiences and makes make them individual experiences. That's what technology does. Like, for instance, it used to be that when you wanted to hear music, you had two choices. You could make it yourself if you were so inclined and talented enough to do it. Or even if you weren't talented, it used to be bad music. Um, but, or you get in your horse and buggy or hook it to the town square when the symphony was in, and you could hear people, and they would play stuff like this, okay? They would play symphonic music, 
And that's how you could hear music. It was like going to the movies. It's the only way you could hear it. Imagine the difference. That was not long ago. But imagine between that person's life and your life. You are soaking music all the time. You're listening to it like nonstop. And listening to some of you are reminding me to it right now, right? We had music before the election, the music after the election, the music on the beach, the music everywhere, right? So, but it used to be that this is how you can hear music. And then we figured out how to record music so we could play it back, right? I don't know if you've seen Downton Abbey, but they have one of these, okay? It's like a big horn, it's got a phonograph, but it would play and you could come downstairs or come upstairs or come out of your room, everyone would gather around the radio or around the phonograph and they could listen to the music together. And then those got more sophisticated, and I only have this picture in here because my dad had this exact stereo, he would never let me touch it, and I would wait until it was on, and I would turn these knobs, because the knobs were really heavy, and they were really fun to turn. And um, then I would get in trouble. But then we got these. This is like the precursor. This is like the precursor to your Bluetooth speaker, but instead of the USB, it ran on like 15 D batteries or something like that. Like, it was like cute. It was like loading a shotgun, like, like an automatic shotgun. Keep putting batteries in, just never stop. And like, look, this is my generation, and you know, specifically. And you can think that that guy looks dumb or looks awesome or whatever. I think lots of things about your generation look dumb too. So, you know, we had this, you got that daddy, which is better, I'm not sure. But anyway, um, so, and then we figured out how to personalize even more. You could put a tape. If you don't know what a tape is, you're welcome. And also, because that's awesome. Tapes are terrible. They're like a playlist of the only one band that you can't put the tracks for. And um, and you could put these earphones, and you didn't even stick them in your ear. They were on top of your ear, and they had this scratchy material, and it didn't feel very good. And everyone could hear what you were listening to, like that, because it wasn't just directly in your ear. And then we got these. They got a little more sophisticated, and we got these CD players. Okay, listen. I was in high school when these things came out. It was amazing. You still going to listen to one band and one album at a time? Because we hadn't done like Napster had arrived yet, but uh, you could you could select the track, and the earphones were getting a little bit better, so you could actually hear you know it was, you could actually hear what the music was. And my I, of course I did not have like a nice one like a name brand one. I have like a janky one that like it had to like be at just the right angle like on my chest and the bus on a long school trip or whatever in order for it to play right. Because if it was like this or this, and it would start skipping, you know. And like, you couldn't take all your CDs with you because it was a big case, so you could only take a couple, you didn't want to lose them. Anyway, so then we got this. And this really changed the game. And this is a really old picture and also a bad Photoshop. I, think, I don't think Adele was singing when that thing came out, I'm pretty sure. But, um, the, uh, anyway, so we got this, and then we got these, and that's like the newest evolution that now there are AirPods. Well, here's what I want you to notice about technology, about how technology it's this. Do you notice the number of people who are hearing the music is like this right here? It keeps winning down and down until there's only one person who's Technology takes communal experiences and makes them individual experiences, and that's not a good thing. It drives us apart. There is a big difference between going to a movie theater and then watching a movie on your phone in your bed. Right? The content of the movie is not different, but the experience is exponentially different. The first time that I went to see The Conflict of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, we went in a big group. I was in seminary with a big group, and I had a, um, and we went to go see it in the theater, and I had a really funny friend named Doug. And Doug was sitting, like, almost directly behind me. And every time that Lucy and Mr. Tumnus were on screen together, Doug would lean over into my ear and go, Make out. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> it ruined the movie, all right? 
Well, now look at those things the same. Right? Because it's, because it's fine to do things together. Because we were made to do things together. Because Christianity is not a solo adventure. It's a squad game. Okay? It's, we're, doing things, we're doing things together. But technology drives us apart. So that when we're in public, we can always be alone. We can put the headphones in and no one will bother us. Right? Even when we're in a big group of people. And then when we're by ourselves, we're not really alone. We're not really alone there because we can stroll through and be connected to everyone else. Alright? The other thing is that we're getting lonelier because we sleep less. Your phones are putting you to bed at night and you're, look, this is just, these are facts. As people say, that's facts. I don't understand that phrase, like, but this, this is facts. Facts, bro. Facts. But, here's the deal. Is it like, you are sleeping less amount of time than previous generations because your phone is putting you to bed at night. And also, your REM cycles are shorter. So not only are you sleeping less, you're staying up to watch that one more episode of Parks and Rec or The Office or whatever it is that you like. And like, you're staying up to watch a Riverdale or, I don't know, whatever, you're trashy. But, um, hey, um, shots fired. But, um, uh, you're staying up to watch that episode, so you're staying up later. And then because of the way that phone light works, you're actually getting into that REM cycle more slowly, and you're staying in it for a short period of time before your phone wakes you up. You're going to bed at midnight and getting up at 6 every morning, and, you know, you're getting... Guys, do you know that, like, many, many, many physical ailments are associated with sleep deprivation? Did you just try to... Did you just try... We're going to get to what you're going to try later on. Okay, I'm not going to... I'm not going to kill my own thunder. But you're sleeping less. You're not rested. And because you're not rested, you're not the person that you're supposed to be. Okay? You're not the person that God made you to be. Last thing about this before we stop. This is, this is, when I did research for this, it was in, when I was reading these books in November of last year, I taught a Sunday school class to like our whole church at Trinity. There were like 600 or 700. I don't know. I'm terrible at estimating. So there were a lot of people there. Though. And um, I taught this, or a version of this, and um, this is the thing that, like, scared me the most, okay, is that I saw these charts, and it was, like, 12 to 24-year-olds, which is an important demographic, and it was, like, a demographic that you have in the video right now. And it showed, I'm going to do this backwards so that it'll look like the right chart for you, but, like, it showed, like, over time, 12 to 24-year-olds could have experienced or expressed um, a concern that they might have anxiety or depression. It was like this. And it would spike up and spike over and keep going. And then it would be like 12 to 24-year-olds who have been medicated or take medication for anxiety or depression. It would be like this. And almost when they came to that curve, it spiked up and then over like this. And then it would be like 12 to 24-year-olds who have contemplated suicide um, or had suicide, expressed suicidal thoughts. And it was like this and it followed almost the exact same curve, just like that. And like over time, you know, and like so your generation is the one where it's scaling up like this. There's like 12 to 24-year-olds who would actually commit suicide, like our suicide rate among 12 to 24-year-olds. And you saw that it was lower, obviously, but it spiked up too, right, in the same way it plateaued and kept going. And then there was a second chart that you superimposed on that one. And this chart said social media use, and it followed the same exact pattern. And guys, that is not a coincidence, right? There's only, there's only one opinion on this, which is this. The more that you are on your phone, the more depressed you are. 
Now listen to what I say so you know that I'm not saying something else. I'm not saying that if, that if you're depressed or if you have depression, it's because of your phone. That's not what I'm saying. Okay? What I am saying is this, is that your phone use is making you more depressed than you would be if you weren't using it. And this is not a debate. It's not a Christian issue. The research has been done. As some people like to say, this is settled science, whatever that means. But it's true. Is that when we use our phones, and the more that we use our phones, the sadder and the lonelier we get. And why that is so important is because being lonely and being tired are two of the things that God wants to take from us. And they're the two things that our phone is giving to us. Look, I had to write like a 41-page paper in seminary on Exodus 33. Um, and uh, so I know just a touch about this passage um, because that's a lot of words to write. And um, when God is talking to Moses on the mountain, Moses doesn't want to go to the promised land unless God goes with him. He says, we won't go any further unless you come with us. And God says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Do you hear the two things that God promised, promised Moses? He promised Moses the very two things that I'm constantly feeling for myself with my phone. He promised him presence, in other words, I will be with you. And two, he promised him rest. Right? Joshua, remember the word that Moses, the servant of God, commanded, wait, servant, ah, servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. This is Jesus. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Bible the Bible is clear here. Scripture is clear here. It's that God wants to give us rest. He wants to give us communion. All right? And we are trying to find those things on our phones, and it's not working. It's actually it's killing us. It's killing me, too, in my generation. I don't think it's not killing us, too. Where, in many ways, your parents are worse than you are about it. Okay? And then some of your parents need to take their class, not you. But I just want you to see this. These are the problems, okay? These are the problems. These are the ways in which our phone is affecting us. Now, what are we going to do about it? What, like, do we just give up? We're just like, well, it's over now. It's just means until we all die. Like, <laughs> that's that, bro. No, it's not. And tomorrow... We're going to cover how, what do we do? How can we take this thing that seems to have this power over us and exert power over it? Can we, can we upset the order and, and be in charge of this thing unless we, and, and not let the phone be in charge of us? Can we do that? We're going to talk about some ways we can do it tomorrow. I'm going to have Tyler King to pray for us and we'll be done. Amen.